This is Pastor Brandon from Olive Branch Baptist Church. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Young Church service. Young Church is comprised of middle and high school students that meet weekly from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this message. If you will, let's um, bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here together this evening, and although it's been a little chaotic, um, you're still here and your hand's still in it, and um, we hope you are well pleased. I pray that um, these people hear you tonight and they hear what you have to say, and that um, you speak through me, and we get to dive in your word together and come out of here better Christians. And in your name, amen. So, Tonight I'm going to be okay. Tonight I'm going to be reading out of First um, Peter chapter one, verses three through nine. If you want to follow along, the verses will be on the screen, and it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable." undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this. Even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, a little background to First Peter. It's, Knowing that he's writing to persecuted Gentile Christians, which they have been involved in adultery, they were ignorant, they were living a life of emptiness before they found Christ. So they have went through all these trials and all these troubles, just like we do as sinners, and then we come to Christ. And so they were known as sinners and not believers, but now they were known as God's people. So their question is, and you can go to the next slide, um, why is Peter telling these Christians what they're experiencing? It's like someone writing you a letter about your life right now, telling you exactly how you feel and what you're going through, and it's like, yeah, I know. Like, you don't have to tell me. Like, I lived it. I experienced it. I, you know, you might not want to live it again. So it's like, why would you want to remember your past, and why would you want to think about it? Because Peter tells them. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. Okay, they knew that. They knew they loved him. He said, although you don't see him now, you believe in him. I think that's true for a lot of us. We, We believe in him. And they rejoiced. And they had the faith of the salvation of their souls. So it's kind of, you know, people ponder. What was the purpose in this letter? I think he wants to describe to them what true Christianity is. And he does it in such a way to remind them that if they're ever to drift away again, like we often do, that they know what they come back to. 
and they know that hope that they have. For if they ever do falter away, they know what's at the other side of that path. And in verses 3 and 5, we begin to see that little seed of hope. It says, because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into living hope. You know, we have, when we not only have that resurrection of hope, it tells us about an inheritance in heaven, which, if you go to the next slide. Sorry, I don't have a clicker. <laughs> um, it talks about being imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And those three words, they're pretty significant in this hope. And if you break it down, imperishable means endure forever. So it's saying that our hope and our inheritance endures forever. It's never ending. God's grace and God's love is never ending. It's forever there. It's undefiled, which means pure. Our hope is pure. God is pure. God is holy. And that means our hope in him is pure. And then it's also unfading, which means not losing brightness or strength. So these three words, they carry a lot of meaning. Unperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Which is saying our hope is forever, is pure, and is not going to lose strength. And so when you're waiting for God, sometimes, you know, you have to wait a little bit longer. You have to go through a little bit of trial. Abraham waited 25 years before his promise was fulfilled. So we have this living hope inside of us, and we see that lived out in the trials that we face. And in verses 6 and 7, we're reminded of that. And verses 6 and 7 say, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it tells us that we're not promised a peaceful life. We're not promised the good times. We're not promised for life to be smooth sailing, everything go our way. We're told that we're going to face hardships and we're going to face trial. But what we are promised is hope. We're promised that at the end of these trials, we're going to have hope. You can go. Um, the proven character of our face is refined by fire. So that means in order for us to have a proven character of faith, we have to face these hard times. And no, they're not always easy. You know, you could face loss, heartache, financial um, you know, the small and the big. But, you know, it's like I was talking to someone last night. It's like we sometimes have to go through these bad times because they're necessary for us. And because we don't know what it's like to get lost and to go back to Christ. And that's why Peter wrote this letter to the persecuted Gentile Christians because it's like, you know, yes, your life might be good now because you came out of it, but that's not a promise that you're not going to go back through it. Throughout your life, you're going to face trials. But going through them is what gives us our hope. 
And before I get to verses 8 and 9, I'm going to read you um, Hebrews 6, 17 through 19, which I have on the screen. And it says, Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We had this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So it says that it is impossible for God to lie, which means his word is true. Every word in the Bible is true. Yes, it might have been written years and years ago, but it's true. And it's here for us to have in these times. And we're to have it as an anchor for our soul. So why do we go through the fire? Verses 8 and 9 say, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith and a salvation of your souls. And in verses 8 and 9, we learn five things about Christians. One, they love Christ. It says that you have not seen him, you love him. We as Christians are supposed to love Jesus. And no, we, we don't see him physically, but we see him in our friends in our neighbors, in nature. He's everywhere with us, and we love him. Two, they believed in him. It says, though you are not seeing him now, you believe in him. They, you know, the disciples lived with Jesus every day, and they didn't necessarily believe in Jesus. So, you know, to me, it's kind of cool that we don't have to see him to believe in him. We just know he's here. Three, they rejoiced in him. You know, in the good and the bad, you're supposed to rejoice. Because in every bad situation, you can find good. And I know it's hard in those deep, dark moments. You're like, where is God and how is this good? But I can assure you, every bad situation, there is a greater outcome. You just sometimes have to look at it and think, what can I learn through this? What is God trying to teach me? What is he trying to teach my friends? You know, I've told myself, I went through something recently and I've told people, if my bad experience can help me change one person's life because I came through and I found the good in it, then it was worth it to me. Because there's someone in your life that has experienced something you have experienced and they need to hear it. And that brings me to four. Through all of this, they're receiving the salvation of their souls. And five, they are experiencing as though, like us, they've never seen Christ in person. So their lives, they've never seen him either. And they had just as much as we did. But that's what true Christianity is. God is saving our souls by working in our hearts a love and confidence and a joy that is against the stream of secularism and worldliness in our society. True Christianity is loving Christ and trusting Christ and enjoying Christ. 
In other words, Christianity is first and foremost a matter of the heart. Love, trust, and joy. Not a matter of external performances. You can go. Being a Christian is more than just coming to church, sitting in the pew, singing a few songs, and going home. It's an everyday choice. It's like when you get married, you choose every day to love that person. And that's how it is with Christ. You wake up every day and you choose to be a Christian. You choose to be a good, the better person. You choose to love. You choose to have joy. And I want to read you a little excerpt in my Bible that's titled, um, bring this back a little. That's called, the title of it is called A Living Hope. And it says, if you and I sat down and made a list of all the sure bets in our lives, all the things we were absolutely, positively know will not change, it would likely be a pretty short list. It's also likely that some of those things are not nearly as sure as we think they are. In fact, if there's one thing any of our lives to date have taught us is that life is fragile and life is uncertain. Just about everything we do carries some degree of risk. From our responsible efforts to plan for retirement, to start in the car in the morning, to assuming a positive pregnancy test promises a healthy newborn baby nine months down the road. There's no guarantee anything will turn out how we expect. And Peter knew life was uncertain. When he wrote to the persecuted Gentile Christians, he didn't focus on what was shaky. Instead, he told them what he knew beyond a shadow of the doubt. Peter described there our inheritance as co-heirs of Christ, as imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's not going anywhere. The inheritance of living hope is more than wishful thinking. It's different than hoping our team wins the championship or that the paint color we pick for the kitchen doesn't dry too dark. Hope is a confident expectation of future blessing based on facts and promises. And that future blessing we wait for with confident expectation is a perfect face-to-face union with the maker and lover of our souls, secured for us by Christ's sacrifice and accumulating in our one-day arrival in glory. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then face-to-face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. It's true that there are very sure bets in our lives. There's no guarantee that our husbands will make it home safely from work or that our children will ever be truly safe at school. Chances are, next week will bear little resemblance to the way we've carefully outlined it in in our planners. Planning and precautionary measures are well and good, but they do not save us. When it comes to true certainty, our living hope is a shared inheritance with Christ. It's the salvation of our souls and the eternal hope that is ours through faith in Jesus, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And you can bet your life on that. In the video we watched earlier, he made the question, what if I need you? You know, and I just read, you know, we get so caught up sometimes in the details of our lives. 
and we want to plan, 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 plan. I'm a planner. I like details. I like to know what I'm doing at the exact time. I don't like not knowing. And I struggle with not knowing. And I've had to learn recently that it's okay to not know. It's okay to not see the end result. It's okay to not know if you're going to get that job. It's okay to know if the situation's not going to turn out how you want it to be. Because you can sit there and you can sulk and you can drive yourself crazy, which I did. And you can sit there and you can wonder where God is in it. But it does you no good because he's there. And he's going to take care of it. And it might not be how we want it to turn out. And it might not be exactly what we want. But he's going to have you where you need you in the right time. I know AWOL always taught us. He's like, you are in this generation for a reason. You're not placed here by mistake. You're not in the wrong time. You're not in the wrong school. You have a purpose where you are. Every day there is someone in your life that you should be talking to Jesus about. And there's someone that you can be discipling. And so, what is true Christianity? Though you do not see him, yet in another sense, you do see him far better than thousands who saw him face to face. You see the glory of God shining in this man's face at every turn in the Gospels. And because you see him with the eyes of the heart, you love him and you trust him. And you rejoice with joy unexpressible and full of glory. And that is the flag waving on the side of the river of godliness. And I pray that if you are looking at it from Dow's stream, floating comfortably towards destruction, that God will wake you up and open the eyes of your heart and set you to stroking, not with legal works to earn anything from God, but the stroke of love and faith and joy. And that's true Christianity. So tonight, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know a lot of you in this room, but I know you're struggling with something. And I know there's something you need to hope in. It could be, it could be school, it could be work, it could be finances. Maybe there's stuff going on at home. Maybe your parents are fighting, there's a divorce. You and your friend had a falling out. It could be a million of things. But I can promise you that there's hope. You might not be able to see the end result, and it might look messy right now, but there's hope. And maybe you've heard of this hope, and you've heard about Jesus, and you've been kind of on the fence about it, and you're like, I don't know about this guy. Like, is he really all good? Is he really loving? He is. I've lived it. I can tell you all about it. But, you know, in the video, the guy talked about what if. What if this is all true? What if God is gracious? I challenge you that if you don't know Jesus, to think about what you're missing out on life. Because there's a hole inside of you, and that's probably the hope that you're looking for. But you also might be a Christian who has forgotten about that. And if you've got what it's like to cling to Jesus in the middle of a storm, and you need that hope. So I'll leave you with two questions tonight. Can you trust Jesus in all things? And are you willing to believe what God has put on your heart? So let's pray. 
Dear Lord, um, again, thank you for allowing us to be here and worship in your house and to be together with fellow Christians. And I pray that if, um, you know, there's someone here tonight who's struggling with that hope and they're looking for that little bit of encouragement, that they'll come to you and they'll find you. They'll pull a leader aside and they'll talk to them about what they're struggling with. Because the beautiful thing about you is that you take us when we're messy and we're dirty and you'll clean us up and put us back together and we don't have to do anything but come to you. And so, Lord, I thank you for our time together as we get together to sing this next song. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from The Young Church. You can stay connected with us by following us on social media or feel free to stop by one week to our Young Church service on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Olive Branch Baptist Church. If you have any questions about this week's message or want to share how it touched your life, send an email to yc at obbcblackridge.com.